So listen, we started a journey last Sunday, and I think it's one of the most impactful uh, journeys you can take as a church. I know for me as a minister, ministering the Word of God um, is, is a joy, but there are certain messages that are, let's just say, more of a joy than others. And this is a joy because knowing what on earth you are here for is the most important question you can answer. Now, now we said this, and, and I had to edit myself because my wife had ran across this saying that said the two most important dates in your life is when you were born and when you find out why. I'd like to add a third one, excuse me, Miss Coco Jenkins, but the day that you meet your Savior is a very important date as well. But right after that, when you meet Jesus, knowing what He has created you to do is really impactful and very important, and it sets priorities in your life. Is, are there any single people here right now? Raise your hands. Single, single, single. Just lift your hands way up in the air, way up, because this is, everybody's looking around the room. They want to know. Brother, this is, <laughs> brother, this is your opportunity. Josh, stand up, man. Stand up, Mr. Fuentes. <laughs> okay, so single people, let me, let me say something to you real quick, uh, and I was thinking about this uh, all week long. Let me say something to you. You, you can't start shopping for a mate until you know what your purpose is, because you're going to pick somebody out of your brokenness. And as you get healed and as you get whole, you're going to find out that you picked them out of brokenness, and now that you're whole, you, they don't fit you anymore. More importantly, they don't fit your purpose. You have to decide to go before the Lord and say, God, more than I need a Friday date, more than I need a phone call, I need to figure out what you designed me for, because then when somebody steps to me as a prospective female or male, I can say, mm, doesn't fit the purpose, step to the side, next please. Hello, somebody. So then you don't have to, watch this, you don't have to open your heart up, give your heart, spend all this time with somebody, and all of a sudden find out, you don't match my purpose, and now you got to figure out how to say goodbye. So before you say hello, how about doing your work and figuring out what in the world am I created to do? Get busy doing that, and while you're doing that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be doing what God called you to do, enjoying it, and look over and say, ooh, la la. That girl looked cute when she served Jesus. Let me move a little closer while I'm worshiping God. Come on, somebody. We're still worshiping, but let me, talk, let me see, how, is she consistent? Does she come to church? Is she on time? Is she a giver? Oh, look at her praying. She comes to prayer meeting. That might be the one, not all of this stuff. Hello, somebody. How many of you noticed that you started out like this and ended up like this? <laughs> and that changes. How many of you know? But what doesn't change is purpose. Purpose. Say purpose. purpose. The title of this series is What on Earth? Y'all crazy, by the way. <laughs> what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? What is this all about? What is this journey about? What, am I, what is my life about? What is, what is, how does my story even matter? What, it, what it, I go through all of this for? What about all of these mistakes? What about my victories? What about my story? Let me say this to you in this way. Your story or your life will never make sense until you plug your story and life into the grander narrative that God is writing in redemptive history about humanity. You will not make sense until you go back to the Creator and ask Him, what 
What were you thinking? Why am I corny? Why am I quirky? Why am I introverted? Why am I extroverted? Why am I so funny? Why am I not funny? All of the questions about you, which by the way, your unique design fits your purpose. So stop trying to be what somebody else is. Admire them, please. But do not in any way, shape, form, or fashion imitate them. Appreciate who they are. Thank God Tracy sings and Rachel sings the way they do. They're in their purpose. Trust me, except it wouldn't have sounded like that had I sang it. You'd have been like, oh, oh, I, mm. When she sings it, you're like, oh, Jesus, I've accepted. Got you, because she's in her purpose. And when you find yours, all of the peculiarities, all of the individual traits and qualities that you have that some people think is this or that. Why do you cry so much? I just can't. I don't know why you cry so much. Because they have a mercy gift. It's a gift, actually. Those tears are a gift. When you're going through something, you want somebody with a mercy gift to come alongside of you. When you're struggling, you want that person. You don't want the other person that doesn't have that gift that says, I don't understand why you're just still down in the dumps. You should get over. He kicked you to the curb. Let's move on. No, no, no. Get that person away from me. Hello? You want somebody that has compassion and empathy and, and care, and they're designed that way. But at the same time, if all we had were people crying with other people, then we would never move the church forward. And how many of you ever heard that the church is a hospital? Come on. How many of you know it is, but that's not all it is, because if all it was was a hospital, we'd just be sick and just be there the whole time. We're also an army, so therefore there are gifts in here that are, that are complementary to that that says, okay, here's the charge, here's where we go, here's what we're doing for the Lord. That's my gift primarily. Some of you are like, see, I knew something was wrong with him. Hello. I, I don't have a mercy gift where I'm like, oh, I just want to have coffee every Tuesday and talk about the same thing all year long. That's not me. But I love you by saying, here's a greater purpose. Here you can make sense of your pain by getting plugged into this. Let's all get healed and move along this way. And for those that are straggling, all the mercy people come around them and shepherd them so they don't get lost and they're still a part of the family. Touch your neighbor and say, that's a good word. So then, what's your part? What are you doing? What has God called you to do? And most of the people in here last week said they didn't know. Now, this series is your opportunity for six weeks to get very serious, very precise. And I love that people were in groups, even in Sunday afternoon, last week, people were in groups, already chopping it up, talking with their children about it. So across every platform of ministry, this is being taught at age-appropriate levels. Why? So that the whole family can have conversation about this message, because there's nothing more valuable to you and your children, by the way, is that you as a parent start understanding that the way little Sugar Booger was designed is why she drives you crazy. She drives you crazy like that because she's designed for a certain thing. And if you can get a revelation, say revelation, if you can get a revealing by God divinely about who that child is designed to be, then you can come alongside of the Holy Spirit and help shape, rather than crush that willful child's will, you can help shape it and direct that person. Don't kill your children. I said, don't kill your children. Seth, don't kill my grandchildren. 
because they have to be shaped. They, there's a revelation that you need to parent with to understand. Like you ought to be getting before the Lord saying, God, my daughter is so creative or she's so willful or she's so emotional, whatever it is. God, help me understand what it is that you called her to do so I can help her mature and develop into the woman that you've called her to be, not the one that I think she ought to be. Y'all not talking to me this morning. Come on. All right, I'm going to find, who, who, who's going to talk with me? And we're having a conversation. Who's going to be with me this morning? Come on. Okay, got you. Okay, so what I said last week, let's just review it a little bit. The best way to figure out why a thing was created is to take it back to the Creator and ask, what was in the Creator's mind and heart when He created, right? So then for you, one of the things I said is that where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know the purpose for a thing, if you don't know the purpose for sexuality, if you don't know the purpose for a man or woman, if you don't know the purpose for a car, if you don't know the purpose for a mixer, if you don't know the, if you don't know the purpose for the thing, then you're going to misuse it and abuse it. So when you don't know your purpose for your life, you are at a minimum misusing it, not using it the way that God designed for you to use it, and at a maximum, you're abusing your life. How many of you in here have ever abused your life through drugs, pornography, fornication, and you go down a list and just abused your life? Or how many of you have done this, just wasted time with dead-end relationships, dead-end pursuits, and just wasted life and hours and minutes and days on nothingness because nobody ever told you that there's a purpose for your life? The sum, I told you, it's the sum total of wisdom that was given to me by my uncles, and you know, there was a company of uncles in my family, and they were big shots, and I didn't realize that they were gangsters in like drugs in Baltimore, East Baltimore, where I grew up, and I always wanted to be with these uncles because they were tough guys, and, and people on the streets respected them, and when I walked with them, people got off the sidewalk when they walked by. When I went to high school, people knew what family I came from, and so it was just certain kind of aura about them, so I always wanted to belong to them, and I remember the first time I literally they invited me on this Thanksgiving, invited me into the room. I was like, oh my God, I'm here. The very first thing somebody said to me was, hey, you still a virgin? I was like, uh, yes. So, ah, immediately rejection. You got to get, get a woman. We need to get this boy a woman, blah, blah, blah. So this is 15, 16 years old. Then they said, hey, by the way, get your education, get your, G, get your uh, diploma, and don't get nobody pregnant. And off I went. That's the sum total of wisdom from the collective brain trust of the men in my family. That's what I was sent out in the world with. No purpose, no identity, no sense of belonging. All of that came later in Christ after, after I had a child with a woman I had no covenant with, no relationship to, called Keith Jr., who now came into our family. How many of you know that God rewrites your story? Aren't you glad that God rewrites your story? Because nobody would have ever thought that I'd be somebody's pastor on somebody's stage ministering the Word of God because I had no purpose. Say this with me, but God. That's the divine contradiction. When all of what I said is true, God said, yeah, not done yet, still writing that story. Let me continue to write as He gave revelation. Now, the only one, the only two things you can get here. You can either understand your purpose by speculation or revelation, meaning you speculate, I think, 
I don't know. And you just, through trial and error, keep trying things. And how many of you, you'd be surprised how many people in here right now have a college degree that they're not even using right now. They got it under one discipline and they're doing something completely different. Because the simple truth of the matter is, it's not everybody is supposed to go to college. Maybe you are. I don't know what your purpose is. Some people are hard-skilled people. They're laborers. They, they're going to work through electrical. They're going to be journeymen and do electricians and concrete and all kinds of work. There's all kinds of purposes and all kinds of abilities and all kinds of pursuits. And you've got to do what God called you to do. So that means you've got to take the time called these six weeks to read, study, be in community together, and get it revealed to you so that you don't waste your life. Come on, touch your name and say, don't waste your life. Tell them right now. Okay, Revelations 4 and 12 says this. Revelation 4 and 12. You created everything, and it's for your pleasure that they exist and were created. I, I, I struggle for that, with that, Rachel, because I couldn't understand how I brought God the Father pleasure. And then he said, but, but Keith, you do know. And I, I thought we're having this conversation. And I was like, I do? He says, yeah, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, or every time the family gets together, you have the same experience I have with my children. I said, please expand that. And, and I, don't know if, I don't know how it is in your house, but Coco is the quiet one in our family. Well, Coco and Seth are usually really quiet. But the rest of us, how many of you seen on National Geographic at a kill when the lions come around a kill? Anybody seen that? That's what my house is like when we all get together. We're playing games, and, and, and listen, I, just so you know, at our house, competition is a, at a higher level. So that means we talk trash about everything. Are you with me? And so we're, we're at the table, and we're playing games, and, and now it's gotten generational. Because I was playing a game with Lala recently, and she made a move and won, and she said, I got you, joker. Like that, I was like, oh, oh. The grandchildren are in on it. So since this, all of this is going on, it's a mess, it's loud, it's messy, the whole house is full of love and stuff. And every now and then, here's what I'll do. I'll just step back and just watch them. And do you not know, it gives me the deepest sense of joy. And only parents that have adult children that are all over the place doing stuff, and when they come back to the house, you know what that feels like. And you just watch them, and it's just this sense of joy. And you know what? That's what God the Father is experiencing right now with all of His children at East Hill coming back home on Sunday after having been all over the county and all over the country doing all kinds of things. And then we come back in here, and we're here for one reason only. Isn't that right? Not Definitely not to be a fan club for me. We're here for one reason only, to worship the Lord together. And guess what? He just sits back and takes pleasure in having you here. And when you're not here, there's something in his heart as well as all of ours that's like, I wonder if such and such is well. And how many know the Father gets pleasure from you? Look at how quiet it is. You know why? Because you can't imagine, because you know you. Come on, somebody. You know what you do, and you know how you are, yeah? And yet you say, how could I? Because even in the years that my children were less than what we taught them to be, hello somebody, what we've modeled to them, still when they're in my house, even though there's all kinds of stuff going on, 
there's still a joy that is unspeakable when your children are near you. How much more God the Father loves you and I. That, 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 have you given this a thought that part of the reason that you were born was because God wants to enjoy you? That's so deep right now. Some of you think, I've gone so far, you don't know what I did and how many things I've done and all this. I know, but God does. And yet with all full knowledge, past, present, and future, set his love on you and sent his son to die so that you and I may have a way back in the relationship with him. This is how much he loves you and takes great pleasure in joy in you. Amen? So then the first purpose of our lives, if you're looking, say, what on earth am I created for? The first one, and there are five of them, but this is the first one. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to tell you all five, but this one is to worship God. You were created to worship God. Worship, indeed, is our response to God's love. How many ladies in here looking forward to Valentine's Day? Say amen. That's like five of you ladies. Oh, my goodness. We got to do, do a workshop for men about Valentine's Day. That was, that was horrible. That was hard. I've already planned and got my stuff lined up. I'm itching. Can't wait to unveil the surprise. I told Coco, pack a bag. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. You're going with me. I said, well, okay. She's all excited. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to work on that. Praise the Lord. Okay. But, but how many of you ladies know and, and want a response back from the person you love? Come on. So, so the old saying that the old country guy says, his wife says, do you love me? He says, I told you I loved you when we got married, and I told you I'd tell you if it ever changed. <laughs> that is not an East Hill man, amen? That's not an East Hill man. Because the, rea- the reality is, is that love elicits a response from the object of its love. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, because of God's great love and mercy, we offer ourselves, we offer yourselves as living sacrifices. I say offer. Offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, dedicated to His service and to pleasing Him. What should my life be about as a result of God's love? Dedicated to serving and pleasing Him. That is the true worship we should offer. So our response, we react and respond by returning worship to Him. By the way, God is the initiator. God initiated relationship. God initiates through the incarnation. He initiates his involvement in humanity throughout all of the covenants, all of the people chosen in the Old Testament to lead God's people back to him. How many of you notice that there's this reoccurring pattern in the Old Testament where they walk with God, they fell away, God sent the deliverer, they come back, and it's going back. And that looks a lot like our lives, does it not? How many of you have found yourself wandering away from God only to find God sending friends, relationships, different one, or even just the Spirit convicting you to come back to God's house again? How many of you found that in your life? Yes? And so he initiates. It's, he creates. He redeems. He restores. He heals. He initiates everything. It's his love that you're responding to today, whether you even realize it or not, being under the sound of my voice, you're here out of response to something he first did. The Bible says no man can come to the Father except the Spirit first draw him. So you're not here because your friend brought you. I know you're sitting next to somebody and they're your friend or spouse or whoever, somebody you're familiar with. Just so you know, they're the resource that God used divinely to bring you to here, to this place this morning. 
so that you can hear the Word of God, so that you might be saved and find your purpose and fulfillment in Him. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. That's good stuff. So then, what we do in response to God's love is called worship. Say worship. Now, the first thing, what's the first thing you think about when you hear the word worship? Out loud, say it to me. Singing. Exactly. Now, think about it for a minute. Now, these same ladies, how many married ladies are here? Say amen. Oh, y'all did better that time. Y'all learning. That's good. Ladies, how would you like it if somebody loved you, and this is the person you gave your heart to, everything to, everything for, and they loved you for an hour and a half on Sunday morning at 11 to 12.30. That's it. But you know, unfortunately, it could be said of us that sometimes we love the Lord on Sunday real good, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we don't love Him so good. And that you weren't meant to be a part of an institution that God invited you into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, so that you might be with him and worship, as it were, would be the totality of your life, not a few songs led by somebody. That when you understand worship, you understand it to be the totality of your life. How you serve your wife is worship. How you speak to your husband is worship. How you speak to your children is worship. How you work, whether in excellence or whatever you do, is symbolic of your worship. Everything you do. Notice what Romans 12 said, living sacrifice. You're living for the Lord day in, day out. You're working, your recreation, your play, all of it is worship to the Lord. There is not one thing in your life, not one moment that you can't turn into worship. Come on, worship the Lord. Give him, come on, give him a hand clap. So then, whatever you give back to God, whatever it is, your money, your time, your service, your energies, your affection, whatever it is you return back to the Lord, that thing is called worship and it brings him pleasure. You can say tomorrow morning when you get up, God, this day I worship you with all day long. It's your day. Whatever you want today. Now I got to go to work and I got to do things. But in my work, I'm going to acknowledge you all day long. I might need to excuse myself and go into the break room a couple times or go on a walk to the third floor because somebody plucking my nerves. That's real. And instead of giving them a piece of my mind and ruining my testimony, I'm just going to step out, excuse myself, go get a cup of coffee and say, Lord, now you know they're crazy in there. He said, I know you're crazy. I know they're crazy. And how many of you ever had to walk out and talk to the Lord a little bit? Come on. And then he said, yeah, I, you know, well, what am I supposed to do when I go back in there, Lord? Because these are a bunch of hellions over here, a bunch of heathens. These are real sinners in here. And you know what the Lord will say to you? If it's really the Lord, you know what he'll say? Why don't you just go back in there and give them the same grace I gave you? So how does God, okay, so worship. How does God want me to love him? What am I, how do I love him? Okay, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 37. This is a great portion of Scripture, and everything's here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law or in the Word of God? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, now watch this. Love the Lord your God with all, say all, all, all your what? And with all your what? And with all your what? And then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says this, everything, all of the prophets, everything hinges on these two verses. So that's it. It doesn't get any deeper than that. 
You say, I need, the, I need the Word of God. I need the Word of God. No, no, no. You just need to love God in totality and love other people. How many of you notice that vertical part of that is a lot easier than the horizontal part? Touch your neighbor and say, I love you, though. Go ahead, tell them right now. Not really, you don't. <laughs> That's the hard part. It's easy to love God. It's harder to love the people created in His image that don't act like Him. Come on, y'all. That's the hard part. That's where you get to work your salvation out. That's where, how else would you practice patience if you didn't have to practice it with somebody? How else would you practice long suffering unless you had to suffer long with somebody? Y'all not talking to me this morning. You otherwise can't cultivate those fruit of the Spirit unless you are in those moments. Somebody said, oh gosh. So here's what, that, here's what I learned from this text. Here's what it says. How am I to love God? Passionately with all my heart and soul and thoughtfully with my mind. That, that whole heart and soul thing, mind, will, and emotions in your soul. You know what he's saying? In, in the core of your being, not externally, not I don't care what you wear. You know, you know, it's funny how people try to look spiritual. Anybody ever seen somebody try to look spiritual? It's like you go to these conferences and different people and they're, they're like, Oh, the Lord said. And you're like, you're weird. They're like, no, the Spirit is speaking. It's like, whatever spirit that is, I don't want to be a part of it. Because God will use you supernaturally. He will put His super on your natural, and you don't have to be weird. I was just at the Jesus Culture Conference, the pastor's conference, and this lady walked up to me, and she did like this. She was like, I got a word of the Lord for you. She was chewing gum, and I was like, you do? She's like, yep. You might like it. You might not like it. I was like, okay. She's like, here it goes. The Lord says such and such and such and such. And I was like, that's a word of the Lord. She said, I told you it was a word of the Lord. I said, oh, humility is not one of the traits. Anyway. But, 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 but here's, what, here's what's up. We were there three or four days, and that girl chewed gum the whole time, and she was just like that, out the face, out the box. She was naturally being used in a supernatural way. She didn't change her personality. And by the way, anybody that's been around me knows that when I act a fool up here, it is symbolic of how I act a fool over there. I am Keith Jenkins on this stage or over there. I'm not a different person for you on Sunday. I promise you. I'm letting God use me for His glory, His super on my natural. And sometimes my natural comes out more than His super. (laughs) But that's the same in your life too. We're a mixed bag. Touch your neighbor. Say, you're a hot mess. You know that? Tell them right now. (laughs) Turn around and look your neighbor right in the face and say, I didn't forget you. Thoughtfully, I'm supposed to thoughtfully love the Lord in my thought life, in my intellectual pursuit. I'm supposed to keep my mind on Him as well. Does that make sense? So then, how many of you this last Christmas had a hard time getting gifts for certain people? Because certain people, I don't know how you have it. I have certain friends, they have everything. They have everything. And it's like racking your brains, what do I get the friend that has everything or can buy whatever they want, right? What do you give to the Lord, to the God who created everything? What can you offer Him 
What can you give to him that he doesn't already have? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are three things that you possess and control that God doesn't have unless you give them to him. You ever think about that for a minute? What are the three things that I control, have absolute dominion over, that God cannot have unless I give them to him? Here's the three things. My affection, my attention, and my abilities. My attention, my affection, and my abilities. The first thing right out of the gate is my affection. Worship in and of itself is focusing your attention on God. That's why when you come in, let's just take the song service, for instance. They, they won't say this to you, but I will because I'm your pastor. You'd be surprised what you can see from the stage during worship. And, and I can tell you this, that there's a small amount of worship to God actually going on, but more than that, anything, this is what it looks like from up here, off times. Here's the worship service, songs are being sung, the worship, this is the third song, by the way, that means we're already in it. And this is what it looks like sometimes. We, we're, we're so distracted. Isn't it funny that the hardest thing to do anymore in our lives is to focus on anything for any length of time? That is so difficult. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Here is the bane of my existence. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't know how you guys operate in your world, but my wife is from another time. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because here's what, here's what I'm finding. Like, if you take Coco, fellas, where you at? Lift your phone up in the air, fellas, if you're there. Lift your, if you got a phone, fellas, just wave at me real quick. Let me just see. Okay, fellas, look, look at me. I'm telling you, if, if I want to shut a date down quick, here's what's happening. We're eating, and I get an inkling, like my phone buzzed. It just buzzed. And then, ladies, if I do this and put it back down, that date is over. Do you hear me? She is done, done, done. Get up, pay the check, it's over. Because I'm like, babe, I just, I just took a little glance. I said, no, 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 brother. Whatever that is is more important than I am right now. So therefore, answer your call by all means. Please, because whatever it is, you must be curing cancer or something that you would interrupt my dinner with you when you said you wanted to date me and you can't focus on me for 30 minutes? I'm like, babe, it ain't that serious. But isn't it true that one of the greatest ways we express love and value to one another is by giving our attention to one another? Isn't it funny that your kids did you notice, how many of you got kids that are five years and under? Lift your hands right now. Five and under. Let me, let me just say something to you from, from, from a lament of a father who's gone on before you, okay? They won't want to crawl on you forever. They won't want to get in the bed with you forever. I know, I know you're giving away your bed. It's like, we're not co-sleeping in all these terms. I got you. Trust me, they won't want to after a while. Because I remember the day that Justin Timberlake became my daughter's fascination. And I was no longer that guy. Justin Timberlake took my place. Was he the Backstreet Boys or whatever he was with? I don't know what he was with. 
whatever it was, I was the love interest of my daughter for years. And then Justin Timberlake moved into my house. I'm still recovering. I don't listen to his music. I don't like him or Jessica Biel at all. Romans 12, 2, don't become so well-adjusted, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. If you fit into the culture of America without even thinking, you ought to be asking yourself, am I really even in the kingdom of God? And I'm not telling you to be an egghead, like some ultra-spiritual person. I'm just saying, if you can sit in a world that celebrates the things that we celebrate, ignores the things that we ignore, and be okay slipping in and out of that culture, then you got to ask yourself, Lord, you got to help me because I'm too well-adjusted to the mayhem of this world. So then it says this. So, so look what he says. Don't be so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Anchor it. Root it on the Lord. That's a different anchor point for us. There's all kinds of things that we focus on. Everything grabs our attention, is fighting for us. That's why we do, that's why we have the journals out there and we have these soap groups, these life groups. Why? Because it is at least one habit that you get to hone in your life. You can't pass or fail. You miss three or four days, it doesn't matter. You just keep going back, you just keep going back until it becomes your habit. That it, what it does is it helps you, it orients and recalibrates you every morning or whenever you do it. It recalibrates and refocuses you back on what really matters, which is God. So most Christians, they say 85% of Christians have no relationship to the Word of God on a weekly basis. And the most that they will see of the Scriptures is Sunday morning on the screen somewhere. Used to be a time in church, I'm getting old now, I'm going to age myself, where when you would turn, say, Romans 8 and 12, you'd hear pages go. Now we got beep, 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 beep. Or maybe you don't, even, you don't even, even try to look in the Bible. You got it up on the screen. Somebody told me recently, they said, we stopped putting scriptures on the screen to force people to get into the Word of God. I'm like, I think that boat's already sailed. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that part of focusing your attention on the Lord is each day starting in the Word of God, calibrating your heart and mind back to Him. Before the messages and images of the world and work and chaos, yes, it does mean, sir, you're going to have to get up before the kids get going because they will interrupt you. Yes, ma'am, you might be a stay-at-home mom. You said, I can't do it in the morning. Got you. That's what naps are made for. So you get your shower, go to the bathroom. Hello, ladies. As Keisha calls me, she said, I got to go, Dad, because this is my hour to take a shower. I'm like, okay, go, girl. She got three little ones at home, thanks to Seth. Can't keep your hands off my daughter. He's, and he always says, you're welcome. <laughs> I need something each day that gets me back to heavenly mindedness. I need something each day that brings peace and joy that the world can't touch. I see too many images of people dying, too many images of starvation, too much images of brokenness and humanity run amok. I need God to reorient my heart so that I may have hope, so that I might have peace, that I might have assurance that doesn't come from Washington or any other place on this planet. It comes from Him, and it's eternal, and it's unmovable and unshakable. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right now. Come on. 
So Isaiah said it this way, Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust you, whose thoughts, attention, watch this, are fixed on you, anchored, immovable, set on you, yeah? So then what, what would your life look like if you had a constant conversation with the Lord all day long? That, that you didn't just relegate him to an hour. You know, somebody said, well, he's in my prayer closet. I'm like, well, you don't need him in the prayer closet to live there. You need him on the 205 and the 85, 84. Come on, y'all. I need him to walk with me. I need him at school, in class. I need him at work. I need him when I come home. How I many know you need him all day long? What if you had a running conversation that kept your attention fixed on him? So then every time something would come to buffet you, you would be oriented the right way. So if anxiety came, the Prince of Peace was standing right there when anxiety tried to get you. Are you with me? Where, where, where when depression would try to get me, joy unspeakable, full of glory, the Father's presence would be right there to combat it. We've got to become people of His presence and giving Him our full attention. So number two, are you ready? Worship is expressing affection to God. Say affection. I, my wife, I'm, I'm affectionate. I, I don't know. There's always one in the family usually. But, but if she's sitting on the couch, I'm always touching her. Come on, somebody. I like to touch her. I rub her feet. I'm just, I'm affectionate. I want her to know that I love her. One of the things I'm trying to make sure my wife understands is that she made a good choice years ago staying with a knucklehead like me. I want her to know every day that she made a good choice. But, but, but how much more my affection, the love that I have, overflows the borders of my heart. So therefore, the same way for the Lord, there's got to be something. I got you. You're an introvert. You're whatever. But, but worship is not a personality style. It's a revelation. When you love somebody, I mean, no, it, it erupts out of you, and it looks like something. I'm sorry. I've seen people of the most stoic nature all of a sudden fall in love with somebody, and even though it looks different on me than it does him, it still looks similar to what it looks like. Ladies, let me just say something to you. If you ever say to me, Pastor, I, I got this question, and um, I, I just need your help in this. I'm like, okay, I'll try to help you. Hey, I, I got this guy, and I don't know if he's into me or not. He's not. He's not. Because every guy that's ever been into a woman, she didn't have to guess. Do you hear me? And now in this day and age, he would be on, he would be DMing you on IG. He'd be inboxing you on Facebook. He'd be texting you 5,000 times a day. You would know. Same way you would know if you're God, whether somebody's heart is yours. He would know because it looks like something. Sounds like, by the way, I don't know about you, but I don't wait till Sunday to sing songs to the Lord. And, and I don't care what I sound like, by the way. I, I'm, I'm at, I was, the other day, somebody got so mad at me because I was 1.5 hundredths of a second late getting into the intersection because the light turned green. And, and I must confess, I did have my eyes closed, and I was crying, and I was singing at the stoplight. <laughs> I had a full worship experience in my car. And I didn't care that the guy behind me I didn't wait for an audience. I didn't wait for Brandon. I can't listen. I can't wait for Brandon to get up and start playing my favorite song to worship God. His songs, I sing. He starts them. And I, if you understood what a worship team was, they're not here to entertain you. They're here to lead you to maybe prime the pump 
to get you going, but, but at a certain point, I've told them, I better not catch you up here worshiping or performing for them. They're supposed to be worshiping to an audience of one and leading you in the same. But that's not just Sunday. I want him to have my affection all week long, all day long, as much as I can. By the way, what's your name, man? You're shaking your head right there on the second row. What's your name? What's, what is it? You, man. What's your name? Huh? Jay. Jay. I'm Keith. They used to call me Jay back in the day. That guy got crucified. Thank God he's dead. But here's what I say to you. Isn't it funny? Nobody's loved me like that. Nobody's forgiven me like that. Nobody's healed me like that. Nobody's ever been as present as he is in my life. So why wouldn't I be completely fanatical about that love? Which, by the way, though you've seen Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers, it could be seven degrees outside, and some idiot will be out there with his shirt off with a P, green P on his chest. Talking about, the Packers! Ah! And then we get in church, and it's like, Selah. God, God doesn't want you. There's a difference between duty and desire. God's, God's not asking you out of duty to worship him. Nobody, no husband or wife out of duty wants to be loved. You want to be desired. God wants you to desire his presence. Moses got into this issue. Well, actually, the nation of Israel got into this issue in Exodus chapter 33, 34. And God says, hey, get out of the way. I'm, I'll take you up, but I'm not going to take these people. If I go up with them, I'll kill them. I'll kill them because of the sin in their heart and the idolatry in their heart, I'll kill them. And Moses says, no. If you don't go with us, how will we be distinguished as the people of God? You are that God among us. So do you understand that the thing that distinguishes us most above everything else, being the people of God, is God's presence with us? You get to experience that anytime you want to, any place you want to. Are you hearing me? Not, not here because it's sacred. I need him on a hike because my lungs are blowing up. Hello, somebody. I need him at the gym. I need him when my kids are acting crazy. I need him when they're doing well. I need him. Okay. And lastly, come on, worship team. Worship is also using my abilities for God. Colossians 3.23, in fact, I have that tattoo right here. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. We've compartmentalized worship to only mean Sunday morning songs. And what he's saying, if you understand this verse, whatever, say whatever. Whatever you do is worship. How you Honor your wife, how you speak to your husband, how you take care of the kids, all of that is worship. How you work, how you serve, the integrity that you work with. How many of you ever seen something go wrong at work and you saw them cutting corners and you know you should have said something but maybe didn't? I've had that experience. And the Lord said, hey, I gave you that job. You make sure they walk in integrity. And so I've had to go in and talk to bosses and managers in a respectful way. And you know what's happened? Most of the time, the ethics of the company improved. How many of you know that because you're there and you're God's man or woman, that place ought to begin to prosper and the righteous dominion of God should be established there? Do you know that? That you're not just there as an innocent bystander. Now, I'm not telling you to go in and impose your faith on people, but you got to expose it so that they know 
and, and at appropriate times, not on their dime, on your lunch or break, you can say, hey, man, tell me about that. Say, hey, wait till first break, and we can talk about it outside. So that way you're always above reproach. You'd be surprised at me Christians telling me, well, I was at work and I was witnessing for three hours. Nobody's paying you to witness. That's not what you get paid. And then they're the same ones that come back. I lost my job. I'm just going to shake my feet off on them and the hell with them. It's like, no, to hell with that behavior. That's not what God has asked us to do. What God has asked us to do is be very respectful, be above reproach, be extraordinary in our jobs. Why? For them? Not because I'm doing it for them, but because God is watching. My Father's watching me. Are you with me? And therefore, it's worship to Him. Say worship. Hmm. We're supposed to be, according to Romans 12, listen to what it says. In the message, I love this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. This is Paul writing to the Romans. He says, God helping you, of course, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Everything. Here, God. Here's my marriage. Here's my children. Here are my grandchildren. Here's my occupation and career. Here's my pursuit of education as a young person. Whatever you're doing, everything. Say everything. The greatest temptation of your life is worshiping something or someone other than God, making them the object of your affection, your attention, and giving your abilities over. How many know that there should be a part of your life, your abilities, that which you are good at, that the church benefits from? That there should be something of you if you've got certain skills and you see we lack in. He said, the church is crazy. I'm like, yeah, because we don't have your abilities here. We don't have your talents deposited. We could be a lot better. But when you start understanding you were born, created, that part of your purpose was worship. And that returning your abilities, your affection, and your attention to the Lord, actually all of it encompasses your purpose. Amen? How many of you know Matt Redman? Anybody ever heard of Matt Redman? Matt got to a point in his life where being on stages and traveling and doing the things that he was going through, it began to get very empty to him. And so he pushed back the season of fasting and prayer and consecration with the Lord. He just pushed back from touring and music and the whole thing. And as he was there, he wrote a song that became very famous for us in the body of Christ. And in a few moments, Tracy's going to sing that song for us. And here's what I ask you to do out of response. Because I think every time the Word of God is preached, there should be a response. Whether, whether it be a salvation experience at an altar, or whether in this moment, like all of you, when you hear the words of the song, you're going to know what, it, what I'm talking about in just a few moments. That you would, when the Lord begins to speak to you as you're listening to this song, that you stand to your feet, unprompted by anybody, and give him what he is due according to this song. Amen? So when every head bow and every eye closed, just for a moment of time, I want you to put your attention right now on the Lord and recognize that your first purpose is to worship him.
Revelation 2, 1 says this, to the angel of the church at Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Verse four, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstands from its place. But you have this in your favor. And he goes on. And, and let me say this to you. I, I think all of us that have walked with the Lord any length of time have found that it ebbs and flows and that there are times where the Lord calls us back to our first love when we first met him. That's what I felt this week while I was preparing this message and I knew it was about worship, but I knew it was more than that, that it was a reigniting and a reoffering of my heart to him. So can we do that? Just in this moment, some of you are standing, some of you are sitting, and that's fine. I want you to take a minute and just say, God, it's all about you for my life. I'm sorry for the distractions. I'm sorry for moving away. But today, I'm reorienting myself back to you. Just take a minute right now. Jesus. Same online, same thing. Lord, forgive me for being so busy, preoccupied. Forgive me for scrolling when I could be talking to you. Forgive me for the endless hours of Netflix that we've consumed since COVID in my house. Help us to reorient our hearts. You are our first love. So Lord, we give our affections, our attention, and our abilities back to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet together. Turn the lights on. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap right now. Come on. So, answer to the question, what on earth am I here for? Number one, to worship God. So let's go forward this week and let's stay focused and conscious on him all week long. Amen? Go with God. God's going to go with you. We love you.